Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. Good morning. Happy New Year. Should we tell them that we didn't know if we'd be talking to five people this morning? So we, so we put off some of those things for next week. Well, look at these overcomers. Here they are. Good to see you. Happy New Year is right. Oh, thank you, Tara. Those are mine, huh? And how did you all enjoy last evening? You're all here. You're all here. Well, we want to just start the new year together this morning, and we are glad you're here. To join together not only as uh, individuals and families, and to stand in for the church family this morning, for those that are here and those that aren't here, to consecrate 2017 to the Lord. And, you know, consecration is a very real, powerful act on our part. Uh, when we hand it over to him uh, and we let it go, he can bless it in, in a way that he can't do when we're fighting him and refuse to hand, hand something over to him. So we, we're consecrating it today at the table. Um, so I just want to share with you just a few of my thoughts this morning. For the few times I'm going to have responsibility for the pulpit this new year, I thought that one of the things I kind of I thought about, well, where do I start and what do I want to share? A couple of things came to my mind. I'm probably going to do a, do a series at one point that's going to be the things that have gotten me through 3 o'clock in the morning. How many of you would like to hear that? Yeah, yeah. Things that get you through 3 o'clock in the morning, number one. Number two, some of my thoughts, I think, uh, as I occupy the pulpit and take the responsibility for it, um, just some of the things that I have found over the 40 years or so of having the honor of walking with the Lord Jesus and getting to serve him. Some of the things that I think, um, a few lessons I've learned along the way that I'd like to pass on to anybody who's interested. Um, You know, I really do believe that um, we have good things in store for us in 2017. I think that God wants to do some new things in America. I think God wants to do some new things in the church. I think God wants to do some new things in you. I think he wants to do some new things. I started out getting ready for this meeting this morning, and I was um, kind of found myself living in Luke 5, where uh, the Lord Jesus, now for his third encounter with the Apostle Peter, uh, he sees him. They had an encounter. Uh, Apparently, Peter had really uh, committed himself to the Lord in a very real way. And then you find him fishing again in Luke 5. And that's the, that's the story where um, the Lord comes. And it could have been six months. There's, there's a lot of differences among the um, uh, historians as to how much time elapsed between that second meeting and this meeting. But this is where Jesus climbs in Peter's boat and uh, says, Peter, you know, move the boat back a little bit because the crowds were getting really heavy. And... Uh, and the master starts to teach from the boat and talk to the people. Oh, wouldn't you like to have been there? And um, it was after that, remember, 
that, Pe- that the Lord says to Peter, Peter, um, listen, let's go. We're going to go back out and we're going to go fishing. And Peter's like flabbergasted. Peter's the fisherman, right? He's the pro. Master, I, I toiled all night and uh, we got nothing. We don't go fishing at this time of day. The fish are looking for the cool water. There's no way we're going to find any fish here. And, and, and Jesus, probably with the twinkle in his eye, said, Peter, let's push back. Launch out into the deep. Throw your net down. And if any of you know the story, uh, Jesus said, throw your nets out. Peter, like us, threw a net out, not quite fully ready to prepare to commit himself. And they couldn't even contain with two boats the fish that were in in the, that were caught in the nets. Somebody said that when they calculated the size of a boat that would be the size of a boat at that day and the size of the fish, they said they came up with a, a number of 3,000 and said, isn't it appropriate that 3,000 souls were saved on the day of Pentecost? And Jesus tells them there, you're going to be a fisher of men, Peter. But I was captured by the launch out into the deep. And uh, I feel that it's kind of a prophetic word for me, for you, for the church in general. Launch out into the deep. Come out of the shallow waters. Uh, I'm not somebody who really likes, I mean, you'd never get me on a cruise. I mean, like, I like to stay near the, like the shore. I like to be in control. I don't like to get too far out into the, into the water. But um, when it comes to When it comes to following the Lord and finding good things in God, they're really out in the deep waters. And we can spend our life knowing our sins are forgiven and enjoying that salvation and never really getting to go to begin to really experience the things that Christ really wants us to experience in this life. You've heard me say it before. The church, the Western church, is extremely shallow. Uh, Richard Forster, how many years ago, said uh, what the church needs now is not, you know, people that are smarter or more knowledgeable, but people that are are deeper. And... um, I think the day demands it. You know, I just, I just came, I heard somebody say the other day, and, and you people that are more histor- historians uh, than I am, uh, you can tell me if this is true or not. But they were saying that, you know, we have reco- recorded history, it goes back to like 5,000. We're not sure. Oh, really? Okay. But during that time, while there were accomplishments, life was pretty much the same. And then between 1700 and 1900, there was a a burst of productivity, if if you know. They call it the Industrial Revolution. And everything, you know, the steamboat, uh, uh, you know, you name it, the telephone, the telegraph, uh, what wasn't um, invented at that period of time. And so that was more change from 1700 to 1900, I heard this person explaining, than there was for the whole 5,000 years before. 
What's remarkable today, however, is that people are saying that dwarfs in comparison to the last three decades that we have lived. That the last three decades that you and I have experienced is like a rocket took off. It, on a graph, it would be like straight up. That's amazing. You know what that means? It means half of the stress in your life and half of what you feel all the time is a lot bigger than just you and me. It means that overload has become the new norm. It means that pressure and the stress, the technology, technology has brought into our lives is not just our imagination. It has, it has heightened the pressure that we live under. And I heard a, a minister that I, I thought highly of. He's gone to be with the Lord now. And he said, maybe 20 years ago, he said, I'm not sure anybody can really walk with the Lord in the days we're living in. And I was horrified. But, you know, the more I walk with the Lord these days, the more I think I understand what he was trying to say. The pressure of the world we're living in and the culture around us. Certainly the culture we understand is very, you know, I mean, we, we see what the first century believers live with in the Roman civilization. But the pressure that we are living under and the, what it takes to cultivate a walk with the Lord um, is not something that we're going to get up one morning and jump out of bed and have. But, that, but I want to give you good news this morning because I feel like God, uh, I think God is really excited about some of the things he wants to do. Can I just read you a few sentences from Dallas Willard um, real quick? If you read through the Bible, you get the sense that the soul was designed to search for God. The Hebrew scriptures, which might be thought of as the great soul book of human literature, are almost obsessed with this thought. The soul thirsts for the mighty one. The great soul book of human literature is obsessed with this thought. The soul thirsts for the mighty one. It thirsts for him like parched lamb thirsts for water, like a laser. It focuses the full intensity of its desire on him. It blesses him, it clings to him, and it waits for him in silence. Indeed, the soul lives in God. The soul seeks God with its whole being. The soul is God-smitten and God-crazy and God-obsessed. Does that, is, is that you this morning? My mind may be obsessed with idols. My will may be enslaved to habits. My body may be consumed with appetites. But my soul will never find rest until it rests in God. My soul will never find rest until it rests in God. Well, I want to tell you just a little bit. Um, this morning that rest for the Christian, rest is power. And I think that one of the things that we have, as I, when I talk about the shallowness of Christianity, I think one of the things that we find in Christianity in America and the Western world is that we can have a Christianity that is without Christ. So let's just start with some basics. 
And let's just start by saying Christianity is not about being a good person. It's not about being a moral person. It's not about giving to the poor. It's not even about being a prayerful, praying person. Being a Christian is about having a very real moment-by-moment relationship with another world, another person. Do you realize that when we talk about the Trinity, one of those members of the Trinity is human? Do you realize that when we celebrate Christmas, what we're celebrating is that one age crashed into another age? But God has always been love. He was love. He loved you from before he came here in Bethlehem. He knew you before Bethlehem. He knew you before you were born, the Bible tells us. He knew you. And he wants to have that amazing. But he wants to have that unique individual relationship with you. He wants, if I asked you in this room, how many of you believe God loves you? You don't have to do it. But if I asked you to raise your hands, I think a lot of you would. But how many of you would raise your hands if I said, how many of you think God likes you? Hmm. That really caught me between the eyes one day when the Lord told me, you know what, Linda? I don't just love you. I like you. And it was it, demo- it demolished me. I couldn't believe the Lord could like me. I mean, I thought he had to love me like all the rest of us, you know, like all of us, like in group. He has to, has to love us. I'm his kid, you know, right? But I hadn't thought about the fact that he could like me. I want to tell you that in my, I'm going to give you just my experiences as I share this year. I'm going to tell you that I honestly believe <laughs> That there is no Christian life. Forget the Bible study. Forget it, forget it all. Forget prayer. Forget it all. I mean, forget it as being this, as the engine. If our love for him, and he's not real to you and me, and we don't experience that relationship, and the reality of his love, listen, it just becomes awfully heavy. When I thought about coming to you this morning and what I wanted to say to you about New Year on New Year's, my first thought was, I know the message we get. And if you're honest, the message we get most of the time is, I don't, I don't mean from our preachers here or for me, or I mean just it's in the atmosphere. Is it the message we get in, in on New Year's Day when we're, everybody's talking about what? Come on. Well... That's here, but what's the world talking about? Everybody's talking about resolution. Their New Year's resolution. The message you can't help but get is try harder. Do more. Be more committed to Jesus. Honestly, it's good the crowd is small. I don't want to get thrown out of here. Brothers and sisters, that doesn't hold me. And it doesn't hold you either. Of course, commitment is a part of any loving relationship, but it's not the first thing. The very first thing in every relationship has got to be this emotional connection that we call love. 
Why else would Jesus say, love me? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It, it, oh, is that one of those crazy things you say, Jesus, that really we know isn't real? I mean, how do you love somebody you can't see? It's in, you're invisible. You know, in the Old Testament, we had a tabernacle with the outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. The holy place and the holy of holies. And that's a picture of what you are made and I am made like. The outer court is what everybody sees. It's what I meet when I see Joe. I, I see his outer court. But not everybody gets to know Joe's holy place, what he thinks, what he feels. Few people get into the holy place. But there's one person who belongs in the holy of holies. And he demands to be first in our lives. He wants to come before Joe in my life. He wants to be, come before anybody or anything. Phew, what kind of a problem does he have? Because he knows that unless he is number one, I can never fully love Joe well. Let me tell you something. We have this, you know, this crazy thinking in our crazy culture. I hear so many people who are coming to their mates or a spouse or a relationship expecting all their, have you heard it? needs to be met, right? So if you said it to your spouse and they're next to you, just act like you didn't hear it. You're looking for your needs to be met. If you want to ruin a relationship, that's exactly number one. Put it on top of your list. Demand that that person meet all your needs. And you don't have to worry. The relationship's done. Because there is no human who can fill your life and you're the holy of holies in your life. And be to you what Jesus Christ can be to you. Who wants to be that to you. Who longs to be that to you. And until you know that he really knows you and likes you and desires you and is attracted to you. In a sense that he, he, he finds you beautiful. Now, not all the stuff we do. I know, well, Lindia, but what about the bad things that people do? Of course, of course not. He died for sin, but the person, every one of us were made in his image and in his likeness. And he likes you, and he finds you very attractive to him, beautiful to him. And he calls you my beloved. And if you want to ask me, the biggest work you have to do as a Christian. If you ask me at 71, almost 71 years old, what I think the biggest work you have to do, first of all, you're in a school. This is the school of the Spirit. This isn't just coming to a few meetings. You, have, you, have you committed yourself to him to get into the school of his Spirit? Because if you're in the school of the Spirit, let me tell you what I think the number one lesson you're going to have to learn is. And he's trying to get through to you through a thousand different ways. You've got to find your identity in Christ and Christ alone. The world will tell you to get your identity out of what you have, what other people think of you, what you have. What was the third one? What you have, what people think of you, what you do. That's right. Thank you. What you do. All of which are totally temporary. Listen, think about it. If I'm talking to a young child, he knows as much about himself, seven or eight years old, as, as he can. 
You, Jay. You. I'm talking about you. Yes, I'm talking about you. Yay! You're in the sermon. Yay! <laughs> he's not shy to say he's happy. That's great. That's why Jesus loved children. Told, told us to be like them. Um, ooh, that, was, that was good. Did you see that? That was cool. But do you think he's all that he can? He experiences it for himself? Do you think he's all that there is in, the, in who he was created to be? He's coming to grips with who he is at seven. He'll come to grips with who he is as a teenager. Who am I? He'll, he'll go through his adolescent stage of who am I, finding out who, who he is, finding his identity. Because we all ask that question as human beings, who am I? And then as he gets older and he's a, a young adult, he'll then, you know, his workplace, he'll look for his gifts. Who am I? Who am I? He'll be looking for his identity then. And then middle age, you're looking for, you know, where do I fit in? You know, a career. Who am I? Who am I? We keep asking so many things other than God who I am. And then we get older and we lose a lot of things. And we do the second half of life, which is losing things. Now, who are you? I just want to say that if you don't do the work in your younger years, you're going to be in trouble in your older years. Because if you think you are what you do, or you think you are what you have, or you think you are what people think of you, you're in big trouble when you get older. I could give you stories. People just don't take all, People in the world don't take you as seriously when you're an older person. Is any of my any of my peers here say amen? amen? Amen. It's true. And if you don't know who you are, this is what I love. John 13, the master is getting ready to have the first supper and bring in the new covenant to the world. Oh, my gosh. We're going to spend time with what the new covenant really means because if you understand the new covenant, it'll change the Bible to you. It'll change your whole platform to talking with God when you realize... You can, your whole relationship is founded on a covenant with him. But right before he, right before he instituted this table, do you remember what he did? Who remembers what he did right before? Ah, I've got some Bible students in here. He washed the disciples' feet. I think it's kind of appropriate that he, he did wash their feet before he gave them the, the, the model of spirituality as he washed their feet. But you know what he said before he, before he did that? Some of you may remember. This is what Jesus said. He said and the Bible says, and Jesus, knowing who he was, where he came from, and where he was going, he girded himself with a towel and washed the feet of the disciples. We try to wash people's feet when we don't know who we are, we don't know where we came from, and we don't know where we're going. And we wonder why we wind up resentful and bitter and not getting this Christian thing too much, being confused. I want to tell you that in 2017, I would up for me what I want to be, and I pray that this church wants to be this year, is I want us to be consumed with Jesus, his person. I want us to, 
I want us to go out in the deep water. And I want us to not be satisfied and settle for listening to people on Sunday who may have heard from God, may have heard from God. When God also, this, we're going to do some new inventive things on Sunday mornings. We're going to do some more interactive things on Sunday mornings. Because you know what? The church is not about just a few people that hear from God. That was the Old old Covenant. The New Covenant is, and every man shall know the Lord. And every man will not have to ask his brother. Because he'll know the Lord for himself. doesn't mean there aren't teachers in the body. But it means that you and I have been born for love and we've been fashioned for it, and we're fashioned for him, and a lot of the dissatisfaction in our lives that we think is from this and this, and a lack of that, and if I only had this, and the Bible will tell you that our dissatisfaction comes from the fact that we've not found our rest yet in Christ, or our identity in him has not been formed fully enough. We're still asking other people what they think of us and if we're good enough. We're still looking for something else to fulfill us. A sure way, a sure way of not coming to rest. So this morning, I I, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I just want to underline. You know, there's only one thing that transforms a person. One thing. Love. Love. Bible study is so important, and you need to read your Bible and hear from God through the Bible and communicate with him, but that's not the only way he communicates, and he uses people. He talks to you through people. I was in a store one day, I'll never forget, and the song came on overhead, uh, was played, and I knew instantly it it was the Lord talking to me. Has that anything like that ever happened to you? You can say I'm crazy, but I knew it was Jesus. It was so unique to him and I that I had to stop in the store and smile because I knew it was him speaking to me. Love transforms you. When you, you know, you find out all of this new age stuff that you go inside to find out who you are is baloney. Let me tell you why it's baloney. You don't find out who you are by going in here. You find out who you are by looking in the eyes of people that love you. That's who you find. That's how you find out who you are. Love, my marriage. Joe's loved me. He's transformed. My life's transformed in ways because he's loved me. And, 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 that's, the, and that's the point. But you now, the Bible says this. The Bible says, as we behold him, we're changed into his likeness. What do you mean as we behold him? Okay, now I'm going to get a little fuzzy. And then we're going to, I'm going to kind of finish on this, on this point. And I may get a little fuzzy to you, but hang on. Because most of the time, I, I'm not an evangelist. I evangelize Christians. <laughs> I, my ministry is more telling Christians what you already got when you signed up. And let's talk about it. So if you find some of the things you don't understand, it may be because your experience isn't quite, you know, you're gaining experience. But, brothers and sisters, 
I want to tell you the biggest thing I think changes someone. Changes, transforms us. You can do all the Bible. How many of you know people that know the Bible really well? And have their quiet time religiously at the se- How many of you know them? And you just don't get, Jesus is just not, I'm sorry, they may be nice people, but something's missing. Something's missing. I want to tell you what I think is one of the biggest things that you can do to be transformed into his image. First of all, I'm going to get there, I'm going to answer it. But first of all, the one thing you do in the Christian life is stay connected to Jesus inside. You see, rest is power. That means, that means you keep that inner rest in your spirit is the biggest job you have in this life. You can't control your environment if you're not controlled in here, in your spirit. Your whole job is to stay in touch with the Lord moment by moment in your life and have an ongoing conversation with him. Oh, come on. It's got to be something harder to do than that, Linda. Nope. You can't convince me. I've tried it all. Been around long enough. Yeah, I know you need Bible study. I know you need prayer. The biggest thing you need is to stay connected with him. And when you behold him and you turn inward to that holy of holy place where he lives and you get, abide in me and I'll abide in you, Jesus said. Make your home in me. And I'll make my home in you. And you learn to turn inwardly with your eyes of faith and look on him. Now, you're not going to see a person. But if you are you one of those people that are here in worship and you see other people go inside and worship and you're wondering, what is going on? What are all these people doing? Why do they look like they enjoy this so much? You haven't learned to go into the inner place where he is, or he's, or you haven't invited him in there, one or the other. You see, you can live this life on three planes. You can live this life from your body, which would mean eating, pills, drinking, whatever. You handle stress, you handle your life from your body. Or you can handle your life from your soul, which is your mind, intellectually, your soul. You'll be run by your emotions, your desires, or you'll be led where you were meant to live. Have your spirit be the master and your spirit is an ascendancy and your spirit is where you live from. Now, if you've never experienced anything or heard anything like this, it may sound like really, really, you know, really far for you to get a hold of. But I promise you, I promise you, this is what the saints knew. This is what the saints of the... This is the Christian life. The Christian life is Jesus. Saints, the Christian life is Jesus. The Christian life is being in love with Jesus. The Christian life is knowing Jesus. It's talking to Jesus. It's hearing from Jesus. It's being obsessed with Jesus in, in a very normal way, if you can, if you know what I mean. I want to tell you something. People that are obsessed with Jesus are not fanatics. They're not crazy people. You know, people that are, you know, evil is very, very boring. If you meet people that are into dark stuff and evil things, they are boring. 
They are uninteresting, but you meet some of the saints of God that really know God, and boy, you get a, you get a, a parade of characters. Uh, my, my spiritual mom, I mean, she was just, she could descend into a 10-year-old in the best way, and I mean that in, in the best way. She'd have the joy of a 10-year-old about a gift that she got, and I would just stand there and be amazed because Jesus said, unless you be like a little child, the real saints are people that are so different But the one thing, they have the same one thing. They're in touch with another world. You know what makes a Christian different than everybody else? You're in touch inside with another realm. I spoke a while ago. I don't know how many of you were here. But I said that humans are the only ones that had two lives in them when he created us. He created us with human life and a spirit to have God's life live in us. Dogs only have dog life. Birds only have bird life. Plants only have plant life. But as humans in his image, we have two lives. We have human life and we have a place for his spirit to live with spirit where, we, where his spirit dwells in us. And unfortunately, Western Christianity is making Christianity all about cerebral understanding. And if we were all honest, there's a lot of Sundays we're walking in here saying, these guys are great. They're great preachers, but honestly, I'm kind of, I know all that. I'm bored. I know that. I, what, it, it, any of us can preach. I don't care the best preachers in the world. Because let me tell you something. If you're not experiencing Jesus yourself, if you're not having, when was the last time you touched him and you, he knew, and you knew that he was letting you know he loved you and knew you? When was the last time that happened? Because I want to tell you something. Service gets awfully dull and boring and heavy. And guess how I know? When you're out of touch with him and you're just doing it because you're being committed and you're doing the right thing. Well, hang it up for me, I'll tell you. Hang it up for me. Those days are over. I won't, I won't live like that. Perfect love. Love transforms. I like to be with people that like me. I like to be with people that like me. Don't you? When they say, you know, we, we love when you do that. Or we love when you say that. Or you do, you do. I like being with you. I don't like being around people I know don't like me. Do you? And they don't have to tell you they don't like you. Right? We all know who likes us and who doesn't like us. Right? Well, isn't it different than making myself go in and having a devotional time where I have to read the Bible I have to read the Bible. Oh, gosh, I haven't read it three days. I better go in and read the Bible. Or running to go sit in a chair and be with somebody who really likes you and really loves you. And you really feel loved. God is for you. He's not against you. You are so safe at the beginning of this year. You are so loved at the beginning of this year. The devil wants to rob you of your identity. Of, as you're, he wants to accuse you of a thousand things. Do you have a present account with God? Have you asked him to forgive every sin that you know that you've committed? Move on. Move on. Tell him that you want this year to be the year that you go into deep waters and it's going to scare the tar out of you, but you want to go into the deep. Anybody in here want to go into deep waters with Jesus this year? Is this the right church I'm in? I want us as a church to go in to deep waters with God. You know what I, ha- you know what I think the, uh, the first thing a Christian is to do in this world? 
I think the first thing we do, I really am going to close after this. The first thing we do is make people hungry for God. That's your first job. And you can't make that happen. You can't force it. You can't, you can't plan it. Our job is to make... I mean, when I came to know Jesus, we sat down with a couple that... Uh, you know, Mary, you were there at a Bible study in our home. And I remember listening to this woman, and she was talking about the Lord... I was a good Catholic girl. I mean, you know, I embraced all the right theology. Well, theology is not a good partner at 3 a.m. in the morning, though, I have to be honest. And she, she was talking about Jesus like she had breakfast with him. And I was like, okay, this woman's either a fruitcake or I want what she has. And I did spend 20 years chasing down a couple of people that did do that for me. And I chased them down, and those were my mentors. And I I found particularly Jane Hale. I found her at a women's meeting of 600 women, more than that, I guess. And she, I mean, she was the biggest woman speaker on Long Island. And I made her have lunch with me one day and had questions to ask her. And God was so kind to me to give me a real relationship with this woman so I could see up close what it looked like to really walk with Jesus. I hope there's one thing I'm doing. I hope I'm making you very dissatisfied with your walk with God this morning. I hope you leave here and say, I can't live another day like this. Dissatisfaction is a gift. I want to give you a Christmas gift. Belated. I want you to be so dissatisfied with what you've experienced of Jesus Christ so far that you'll never settle for it. I really am closing you. When I tell you to turn inward, I want you to know that the Bible is replete. I I can give you all the scripture verses and stuff, but you'll find them. You know them. The Bible says that his eye is on the sparrow, that he watches over you, and he cares about you. If you close your eyes and go into the Holy of Holies, you will find him looking at you, and you will look at him. With eyes of faith, you don't see a person, but it's a spiritual thing. In the spirit, your spiritual eyes look up, and and you just have that sense, and you know that he's looking at you, and you're looking at him. That is the biggest gift I can give you for 2017. Spend your days in school cultivating. It's a process. You don't walk into it. I'm, I'm, in, I'm probably still in kindergarten. Learn how, moment by moment, we sang a song, I need you every hour. I wish it said, I need you every minute or, or second. Because... We do need him, not, not in some sick way that I don't go on and run my life. Of course I do. When I'm busy, I'm busy. When I'm working, I'm working. When I'm with people, I'm with people. But as soon as that stops, your spirit should ascend to him and be in touch with him. 
That's what he wants for you in 2017. And you cannot tell me that this Bible does not talk about a supernatural life with a supernatural God who talks and leads you and tells you what to do. Why do you think people are flooding the psychics? Why do you think they're flooding the psychics? They're Christians, a lot of them, and they're flooding the psychics because they'll come in here for doctrine. But when they want to find out what to do with this decision and this relationship, they'll go sit with the psychic and ask them, brothers and sisters, what a sham, what a counterfeit. You have a spirit within you. I'm going to spend weeks talking about the Holy Spirit in here this year. You have a spirit within you who speaks to you, who leads you. All through the book of Acts, you see him. Paul was going to go one place, and the spirit said, no, Paul, don't go. Go turn and go another way. You have someone who wants to lead you in 2017. He wants to give you the wisdom you need, what to do with those kids, how to handle that physical problem, what to do in that in, 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 in any situation in your life. It isn't about just sitting here and reading the Bible and, and being able to quote the stories as important as they are. But don't make the Bible an idol. The Bible is to take me to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, the Christianity, will you say it with me? Christianity is about Jesus. We don't want a Christless Christianity in this place. I'm going to play a song. It's got four minutes. Um, You'll know it, most of you, in this room. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and we're going to close the meeting with communion as soon as the song is over. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and be open to the Lord to speak to you, touch you. I bet he's got something to say to you as you listen to this song. And as soon as it's over, we're going to have communion and we're going to be released for the day. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. Amen. Go ahead, Scotty.
Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for the lesson just now that you just showed us how to come out of our head and into our heart to touch you. I pray that some people in this room, Lord, really did feel the touch, your touch to them, with them right now, and your love for them just now. Those that didn't, Father, we just pray. I pray as we come to your table today, the first time in 2017, we want to consecrate ourselves, this table, this time, this church, our lives, afresh to you, Lord. And we want to know you better. We want to come out into the deep waters in 2017. We want to know you better than we did in 2016, Lord. Teach us how. You said if any man would open the door, you would come in and sup with them. Teach us how to do that, Lord. Because we're tired, Father, of just good thoughts and tired of just um, the best thoughts and trying so hard when you ask us to let go and rest in you. And you tell us, Lord that we don't have to fear in 2017 because you're going before us. And you will, our grace for whatever will meet us will be there. And that you have such an amazing plan and purpose for our lives. Father, I just stand here uh, with, with Joe and James today at this table, and we just take authority over every lie that has hit the saints, that's lying to them, that you don't know them, you don't love them, that their day is over, that there is no purpose for them, that they're not one of the special inner circle people. Whatever Satan has come, Father, I loose in this room. Father, a spirit of faith and love, and, and Father, such a sense of being loved by you and excited about what you have in 2017. For whatever instability we see in the world around us, Father, we are safe in you, safe under the shadow of your wing, Safe because you've given us tons of promises to believe for our family, for our health, for our lives, for our jobs, for our careers. Father, in 2017, we're going to see miracles. We're going to believe you for miracles in this place in 2017. And mostly, we're going to believe for you because we want you to be glorified and you to be seen by the world. We want people to say, I don't know what goes on with those people over there, but some amazing things happen, and, and, they, and they follow this Jesus. And, Father, we want to give him away in 2017 like we never have before. So we hold up this bread and this cup that you shed for us to come into this life because you cared for us, because you love us, you know us, and, and this table you set for us this morning. So we take it today in, in faith and with great thanksgiving. And we bless you for it. In your holy, holy name. Amen. This music is the music we play for soaking prayer nights. Give you a little taste of it. The room is dark. There's candles. We have different little views up on the, on the wall. Maybe 2017 should begin with a commitment from some of us that on Wednesday nights when there's soaking prayer, we're going to steal out of the traffic and walk in here and get quiet. You know, that's another thing I'd like to talk about one day. 
how do you get quiet? Because as soon as we leave a noisy environment, there's so much noise inside for so many of us, it's so hard to get quiet. And that's one of the reasons we have soaking prayer. Because we're trying to do some radical things to pull out of the crazy environment we all live in. And if we're not radical saints, and if we don't do some radical things in 2017, 2017 will end and we'll be the same people we are today. We need to be countercultural people. We need to come out of the world to get refueled to go back to a world that Jesus loves and people that he loves. It was so good to see you this morning. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.